0: introverted noise. Oh, yeah, daddy. Let's
1: do it. ...rolls out to the right. Five seconds to go in the first half. Dante fires deep to the left. Moss caught it at the 11, but now he pitches it! Oh, look at this! To oh Williams! My... Touchdown! you got to big
0: and we are live and welcome back to another episode of the climbing the pocket podcast i am your host jason brown you can find me on twitter at brownjason. back once again with the man the myth the legend the sexy prince we're rolling we're rolling just the two of us to hear. you know QB one is busy. Wide receiver one's busy. It's the two of us. We gotta hold it down. How you doing, Sexy Prince?
1: Hey, the backups. You know, we need. We live that Matt Moore life, right? You know, we 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 understand that we're backups and we stay in our lane because we know that's how you continue to get paid in this league. And never, ever, ever take a starting job. That's what you have to do. That's in this league forever.
0: Gotta live that Chase Daniels life. You know, you got to be ready to hold a clipboard when you are called upon. And that is what we are here to do this evening. And we're going to hop right to it. We're going to get to it. Because the most important news that could possibly happen, not the Vikings win, not the momentum, not the hot streak, not Daniel Hunter. I mean, the Vikings signed Amir Abdullah. Saxy Prince, Amir yeah.
1: Abdullah. Yeah, man. Like, How 20... excited are you? Well, here's the thing is, like, I remember going into the 2015 draft and, like, again, I, you know, just being in Minnesota, being a Gopher alum, like, obviously, I saw Amir Abdullah play. So, I, I definitely wanted him in that draft, you know, every, everything that happened with Adrian Peterson, like, I was, like, really ready to, like, okay, everything's happened, let's just move on, let me just find a new running back to uh, kind of cling on to. And I saw Miradula as one of those guys that, you know, in those mid rounds, like, yo, the Vikings should take a flyer on him. You know, uh, I believe that was a season that they ended up drafting. Uh, I want to say, was that, was that the season they drafted Jarek McKinnon in the third round? They might've, or my, might, you know, I might've been, it was the, it was 2014 that drafted Jarek McKinnon. But anyways, um, yeah, I was, I was happy to, uh, I mean, I was excited about him as a prospect and I thought I thought he was going to be uh, one of the lions, you know, like guys of the future. But, you know, obviously he had the fumble issues uh, when you look at him, just as far as his spider chart and stuff like his, his athletics, they are they are quite good. So, um, The issue is just like, you know, what is what is he going to be in the future? Is he just going to be a guy who is just a kick returner, a third running back? Or, you know, could he be could he be more? Could he be that that RB two or three rotational guy, whatever the case is? So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about the pickup.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Amir Abdul is one of those guys that, like, just shows how little you really know when you go into, like, the draft and how guys are going to translate because, you know, we talked to JR about it. His film was good. People in the film community liked him. His metrics were amazing. 98th percentile spark athlete. Burst off the charts. Speed, yeah, just all right. Nothing crazy with the speed, but, you know, speed is kind of overrated as it comes to running backs. Agility off the charts. Strength. Catch the ball coming out of college. Ridiculous yards per carry carried a big workload and kind of like everything you would think you'd want when you're projecting a a running back from, you know, the college game to the pros, he had it. And then he just didn't do anything when he got to the NFL, which was just, you know, it's disappointing, but he's only 25, maybe leaving the dumpster fire. That is the Detroit lions. Shout out to my man, Adam. Hope you're listening tonight. Sorry. We had to do that to your boys. Uh, Maybe that can, you know, breathe life into his career um, you know, make him that rotational, like you said, third running back, maybe kickoff guy, whatever, wherever they can get him in. I'm excited, you know, just because I did like him as a prospect and he's finally on my team. I mean, he probably murdered a couple of my dynasty rosters, but it is what it is. But, uh, you know, I kind of talked about it a little bit there. Saxy so Prince. We got to talk about this game. Vikings lions. I mean, I think we all picked the Vikings to win this game, but how they won the game what are your thoughts on it? What were your big takeaways? Offensive performance, defensive performance. We got to talk about it cuz he's making all that money. What are your thoughts on how Kirk Cousins played? Obviously, we're going to talk about Danielle Hunter. Break it down for me. What were your thoughts on the game?
1: Yeah, I thought, you know, I think the Vikings jumped off to, you know, a really good start. You know, they 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 took their first drive, uh, scored, which is exactly what you want to see them do. I I I don't I haven't seen the offense like really out of the gates really struggle, which has been really really nice. Um, what I've seen so far is like, you know, they they have this, this hot couple of starts, uh, you know, a few drives are going really, really well. And they just kind of sputter towards, you know, kind of that middle and towards the end of the uh, end of the game. Uh, I, I, I thought the offense you know was looking good. You know, you got obviously you got Treadwell into the mix. You got BB who was just elevated that that uh, for that game into the mix with uh, digs out. So, and, you know, obviously you weren't able to get Adam Thielen going the way that you want to, but they were still able to get him the ball in unique ways. You know, obviously they had a couple of uh, handoffs that they had to him. Um, So, you know, obviously, you know, when Diggs is out, you know, Thielen really takes on that, you know, not only his outside role, but takes on that gadget role as well, too. So, uh, you know, as far as the offense, I think, you know, if we can get some of that situational football stuff figured out—the two-minute drill, the you know finishing at the ends of uh, ends of halves—really uh, being more aggressive, uh, more aggressive, uh, you know, in in those certain situations where you know you you might be up by like six points, but you know you need to really put the game away. Um, I think that's where the offense still needs to evolve, and I unfortunately don't think that's going to be something that happens this season. I think it's an off-season type thing. Uh, defense takeaway. Uh, I, I, think that this defense is, uh, is getting back to what they are. You know, they, I, I believe, uh, from football machine, uh, I think Reef had said they were, before they were playing a lot of cover one and cover three type stuff. And I'm, you know, moving to more cover two. Uh, I think that's simplifying the defense a lot more so where, you know, I think the defense is evolving, but you know, evolving, maybe not as fast as Zimmer thought they were going to evolve, uh, when he first started the season. Um, you you see as the the Vikings are still one of the most uh, disruptive teams on third down, um, you know on third downs and whatnot. They they are just a team that you know one still one of the best in the league at, at stopping teams on third down. So you can see you can see how this defense is you know getting back to what we perceive the Vikings defense to be, which is actually phenomenal because I think that you know. The offense still has a little bit to go, but having this defense allows them to, you know, kind of grow slowly more together. Um, so, you know, this was the this was the the outcome that I think we all expected. Um, I didn't think the Lions were were going to beat us. I thought that they, you know, because of some of their playmakers, Kenny Galladay. Um, you have uh, on Johnson. You have Marvin Jones Jr. I mean, like they have weapons. Um, to present problems for the Vikings. Obviously with Anthony Barrow, you know, you have Theo Riddick, who he's actually even said, you know, Theo Riddick is one of the toughest guys to guard because of his speed and because of, you know, kind of his elusiveness and what he's able to do after the catch. So, um, you know, I think the Vikings did a really good job taking care of business, um, though, you know, you still are kind of waiting for that really complete game that they can uh, put together um, towards the end of the season.
0: Yeah, man, and you and you brought up a really good, a lot of really really good great points there. And I think one of the things that uh, I think is kind of funny about football is if you'd said before the season started, before the first game was played, that you know we hit the midpoint of the season and the Vikings defense is a top ten unit, the offense is still kind of figuring things out, most people would be okay with that. Most people would come to expect that, and that's basically where we are right now. If you go look at DVOA, you know Vikings defense. Defense, excuse me, is ranked ninth. The offense, eh, not as good as we'd like to see. They're ranked 19th right now, which is, you know, uh, that's a conversation we can have uh, at at a later time. But it's uh, what we kind of would have expected from the Vikings. And it does make it just funny to to look back. And, you know, maybe Miles has it right, kind of unplugging from, you know, social media and the rest during games. And uh, maybe all of us need to, you know, take a step back because all of the overreaction, all of the craziness earlier in the season with, you know, Zim lost his way and and all of those other takes. They just seem kind of funny now because the Vikings are obviously kind of trending in the way that we want them to go. We know defense in and of itself is a more volatile thing. And, and you know, it really does feel now like we were really overreacting as a fan base to just, you know, some of the random quirky stuff that does happen defensively in football where you have to get 11 guys in perfect sync on every play or you could give up a big play, which is what we were doing Quite a bit of very early in the season. Um, you know, with us now getting in, you know, we 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 mollywop the the lions, and it was a weird game, and it's another game, and uh, you know, I put it out on Twitter afterwards where you know the Vikings are now four and oh when Kirk Cousins throws for less than 250 yards, which uh, you know, for the volume stats enthusiast is a is, is a very strange thing for people to really take in. But what are your thoughts on this one? Because this is another game where the passing game seemed a little up and down. Um, still, I mean, we're lacking in explosive plays. That's going to be, I think, a recurring theme for this entire season. But the passing game didn't really seem to, yeah, be humming or to strike fear in in, in defenses um, the way that it had. Obviously, Stefan Diggs being out, that that is a big factor. But what are your thoughts on Kirk Cousins' performance specifically and how he played in this game?
1: You know, I think um... – it's really hard to, you know, still truly evaluate where Kirk Cousins is. You know, um, I, 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 I haven't really seen him, you know, out, probably outside of the, the Packer game. I think he did phenomenal in the Packer game. Um, but that, that was more so because I think we were down by so much that Jonathan Filippo had no choice but to let him, you know, loosen up the reins and really let him go. Um, but I, I, I think the term that I'm still having to use where Kirk Cousins is is inconsistent. You know there there are some plays where he, um, you know, he makes the perfect read, makes the perfect throw, and for one reason or another, the wide receiver drops it, or or it just happens to be like a, a phenomenal play. But then you then you see Kirk make awful decisions. You see him throw it. You see him throw it into an area where no wide receiver is going to. You see him. Uh, you know, you saw that interception, which you know as I was reviewing it, I, you know, there, there might, there could be an argument that wasn't completely Kirk's fault, but I, I still my initial thoughts were, it's still a bad decision by Kirk. Um, you know, you see those, like the Stefan Diggs pick six, you see those kinds of uh, plays that he makes. And you still wonder, like, it's either you're getting really, really great Kirk cousins, or you're getting really poor Kirk cousins. Like it doesn't really seem like there's really much of in between. And obviously, you know, you, you can't expect him to always be playing at his ceiling, but I think you want to elevate a little bit what he's, what he does at times where he's playing at his floor um, and get a little bit more consistency out of that. So, I mean, I guess to evaluate his play at this point is um, I, I, I still, if this is the Kirk Cousins we played a $84 million for, I don't think that uh, that he's lived up to his contract thus far. Um, however, I still think that doesn't mean he's not playing well, I think he can play better and I think he can play uh, closer to what his contract, you know, uh, kind of commands and what the expectation is a contract. But I really haven't seen him really, truly elevate the talent around him, really, truly elevate the, you know, the play players around him. Granted, he has Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen, so that's really difficult. But um, guys like Treadwell, guys like, you know, Zilstra and BB, and those guys who are really you know, really trying to make a name for themselves on this team and make a mainstay on this team. Uh, Those are the kinds of guys that Kirk Cousins, I think, needs to kind of bring up, bring up to, you know, a higher level play. Uh, You know, you see, you've seen guys like, it's hard to compare to these two. You see guys like Matt Ryan or Aaron Rodgers and obviously Brady and Breeze. Rivers all those guys in the league they're always and and I can't forget Wilson always bringing up you know sometimes some no-name wide receivers and making them look a lot better than they are um I think it's really easy to make a Diggs and Thielen look good because they are great you know that he doesn't need to do anything to um make them appear that way but you know guys like Treadwell guys like you know Aldrick Robinson you know Chad Beebe this week and um you know, Brand Zylstra, some of these other guys who, uh, you know, are your third, fourth, fifth wide receiver, you know, you really want to see them do really well. You know, where's, where's his relationship with Kyle Rudolph, you know, Kyle Rudolph should uh, be playing better because of Kirk. So, I mean, I, I would have to say that, you know, I, um, you know, I'm not down on Kirk Cousins at this point. Um, but I, I do need to see significantly more for me to be comfortable once we get into December and, and January, where Kirk is going to... Uh, the thing about the playoffs is, is I think we all know, it's it's majority situational football. Uh, teams have learned to, uh, you know, save a lot of the stuff that they kind of can force such as situational football, like certain, uh, you know, certain, uh, you know, bliss packages or things that are going to force... Um, guys, to be more creative in the playoffs, whereas in during the season you can be kind of robotic, go through the motions, you know, get through the game, all that stuff. Whereas in the playoffs, you really need to become more creative. You need to be able to adapt a lot more, be flexible, because you're going to be in a lot more, you know, you, uh, unique and advanced situations that you are. That you probably didn't see throughout the season. So and that's one area that I, I haven't seen Kirk really take that step where he's, you know, showing, oh, when things break down, when he has to make a play, not not be a hero per se, but you know, really just um not have his you know, his technical stuff be on on its Ps and Q's every single time, you know, you've seen him become a little bit uh flustered in the pocket. So yeah, you know, so- that Go ahead. So you,
0: you, you touched on a good point. You touched on something that um, I think that has been said many times about Kirk Cousins. He's best when he's on rhythm. If he can come back, you know, back foot hits, ball comes out, clear reads, you know, he'll play at a very high level. And I know that you've made, um, you know, an analogy, kind of bringing it into you know, music and jazz and, and kind of, you know, the way different musicians are wired, like some musicians are wired and are super technically proficient, locked in, and others can just kind of feel it and riff. And I don't really see Kirk Cousins as being the guy who's going to go out there and give you a lot of riffs. He's going to give you that steady, you know, that steady rhythm. But if things go off the rails a little bit, that's not him. That's not his game. And so I wonder if some of these things that we are attributing to Kirk Cousins or wondering about Kirk Cousins, are they really maybe should we be having more of a conversation about John Filippo than we are about Kirk Cousins? Because you mentioned it, the scripted plays, Tend to look really good, but then after the scripted plays run out, things have been a bit uneven as we get through the season. And I think we all okay, I won't say we all, but I think many of the people who evaluate Kirk Cousins know that you know, if the offense is well designed around him and he has good players around him, Kirk Cousins will do what you need him to do. Yes, he might have a couple of those plays in the game where he puts the ball on the ground or makes that you know, what is he doing type play. But for the most part, if he's in a well-designed offense with good players around him, he'll make the right decision for you. So at what point do we start to question what's going on with John DiFilippo? And is your expectation maybe that during this bye week, they're going to do some self-scouting and maybe things will become a little bit you know, better from a, a play calling perspective or even a play design perspective as we come out of the bye?
1: Oh, yeah. You know, I'm definitely looking at, you know, kind of the three people who I I, I would kind of blame why the offense isn't moving. Obviously, we've talked enough about Kirk Cousins, but yes, John DeFilippo. And then the other one is Mike Zimmer. I I would look at those three as three collective people who are kind of your your brain trust as far as how is this offense going to continue to grow and evolve. And the issue that I'm I, I'm finding is I think that Filippo is finding it very challenging to be more creative to find other areas that he can exploit how to use a lot utilize the talent that he has um, and I think at times when he finally gets to that point and gains that's the point where Zimmer is like you know what I need us I need us to back away I need us to be a little bit more conservative I need us to like, we have to leave and I don't want anything bad to happen uh, I think Zimmer uh, wants so badly to avoid mistakes and stuff where he's really handcuffing DeFilippo, Filippo who it, it takes them a second. You know, it's you know, we're talking about jazz, you know, it takes a few players to, you know, to get warmed up. You really get those ideas starting to flow and stuff. And I think Kirk and de are both that same way. They really need, you know, they really need to get warmed up into that solo. And then I think finally when they get to that point, Zimmer is like, you know what, we need to hold back a little bit more. So I think this is a thing where Zimmer, uh, John DeFilippo, and and Cousins need to all just sit down and just be like, "Hey, we need to look at how we are executing this offense on a consistent basis and um, find more unique ways to, you know, uh, you know, make it make it like a happy medium. If 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 Zimmer wants to be conservative at certain points, you know, how can we how can we have somewhat of you know conservative play calling that's still um, that can still yield the results of, you know, uh, you know, certain, uh, aggressive, maybe that means like, maybe it means more up-tempo offense, you know, safe, easy throws, which helps with Zimmer's, uh, constant wanting to be conservative, but, you know, maybe more unique, uh, screened, the screen games, you know, obviously you can look to the Patriots who we're going to be playing in a couple weeks, a phenomenal screen, uh, team, you know, the way the Bill ball checks able to design all those and, and whatnot, like, Maybe those are ways that you can continue to grow the offense, but still have a, a happy medium with uh, with it all. So, yeah, I do not put it all on Kirk. I put it on, uh, you know, the, the offensive coordinator and I also put it on the head coach as well, too.
0: I am amazed that you didn't put it on like Dalvin Cook or something for missing time because, you know, he came back and the man was looking good. After, you know, and I will go out there and say I was one of those people on Twitter who was like, I don't know if Dalvin should be playing. Let him rest through the bye. Let that hamstring get better. And then he came out there and hit the highest top speed in the NFL on that run. He did get caught from behind. But, you know, you know, the uh, the, the the conditioning probably isn't all there. But, uh, yo, you we we made it this far into the podcast and you have not really talked about a running back yet. What are your thoughts on Dalvin Cook and what he adds to the Minnesota Vikings offense?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I mean, I'm I'm willing to, you know, kind of swallow my my take. I I've I've mentioned it off air. I was one of those people who were just like, "You know what a Delvin Cook? I even went as far as said like put him on IR because I just didn't know how fast that Hammy was going to go into heal. It just felt like they kept putting him out on practice and putting him on games and putting him on pitch count and then and then obviously you would have another setbacks. So I'm like, "Let's let's stop doing this and let him heal and let him come back." But obviously, you know, they see him every single day. They know you know, what uh, not healthy uh, Dalvin Cook looks like and healthy Dalvin Cook looks like, and he looked fairly healthy on that game. I've been saying it for a while, but, you know, I I just think without Diggs and Thielen, this Vikings offense would struggle mightily because they just don't have a reliable number three weapon, um, whether that be in the passing game or just something that they can just, like, generate uh, some kind of like just the unique yards out of, you know, from line of scrimmage some way, you know, that you obviously you had years ago, you had Cordero Patterson, but you don't really have a guy that you can just put the ball in his hands and he's just going to make something miraculous happen. Um, and I think that guy is Dalvin Cook. I think you saw that with that, you know, that huge, uh, you know, 70 yard run. Um, he has the ability to make the plays that are that are kind of home run type plays. And, you know, as much as we love Latavius Murray and how consistent he's been and, you know, Rock Thomas and Mike Boone, um, you know, those guys really don't have very much of that home run hitting type playmaking ability. Um, Dalvin Cook presents that, presents that you know, that third option that can, you know, probably help open things up a little bit more so for, for Diggs and Thielen. And, you know, I, I'm really hoping that, you know, he can be more consistent for this, you know, remainder of the season because uh, I think the Vikings are... Need, need him or just someone like him that's going to add another dimension to the offense.
0: All right, so we made it this far, and uh, I'm gonna ask you the question. It's a dangerous question, but I'm gonna ask you the question anyway. Um, I mean, it's one of those things that through the game it seemed fairly self-evident. It's a take that it should not be seen as a slight, an attack, or anything like that on anyone. But what are your thoughts on how the absence of Stefan Diggs uh, affected Adam Thielen's Thielen's ability to do what many uh, have come to expect him to do every week, which is, you know, ball out in the slot, get a a ton of catches, ton of yards, Um, you know, maybe we're, we're making, maybe I'm making too big of an inference from one data point, but game of the season something that can be attributed to you know defensive scores etc cetera, etc cetera. Kirk Cousins had a fairly low you know yards per attempt passing game was not particularly explosive that could change if Aldrich Robinson who was playing in place of Stefan Diggs catches that pass what are your thoughts generally speaking passing game without Stefan Diggs and Adam uh, Thielen's performance in particular without Stefan Diggs on the field
1: yeah I mean it's you know it's it becomes a very touchy subject I know I mean, I'm I'm with I'm with Vikings fans. I love Adam Thielen. I think he's he's phenomenal for this team. I think he adds. so much. I you think he adds, wrote a
0: hit piece on Adam <laughs> Thielen. So yeah, says Reddit.
1: Yeah. yeah, so says Reddit. Um, but yeah, I I I don't think that we need to skirt around the fact that Adam Thielen missed Stephon Diggs in that game. You know, I think obviously defenses. What have they been doing for? From us. They've been putting their number one corner on Stephon Diggs, and then they've also been rolling coverage over there because they they're they so afraid of getting beat deep or giving him enough space to do what Stephon Diggs does in the open field. Um, and not to say Adam Thielen doesn't create uh, explosive plays or doesn't make phenomenal catches because he does, but he does that from the slot. He does that against a lot of guys, you know, nickel corner. He does that against a guy's, you know, number two corner, which... Obviously, Adam Thielen is better than most teams' uh, number two corner. Adam Thielen's probably better than most teams' number one corner. But at the end of the day, the the the, the player that teams are scheming against on the outside is still Stefan Diggs. And when you don't have that, you don't have the ability to put him in the slot as often as you need to because you need him to play on the outside. You don't have the ability to kind of hide him in, um, in you know in your scheme and then have him make this a, you know crazy explosive play you know, um, and and I think you would probably see a similar game from him if Stephon Diggs has to miss another game. Um, uh, conversely, I I don't know if that would be the the opposite if Stefan Diggs was there and Adam Thielen was was injured because at the end of the day Stephon Diggs is still seeing that double coverage he's still seeing number on corners he's still able to get open you know obviously his production this season hasn't been. Um, as high as probably we expect it to be. Um, uh, but at the same time, it is the, the Vikings are playing the numbers game? They know if they can keep pulling coverage away from Adam Thielen and some of the, our other playmakers by using Stefan Diggs, um, we can keep moving the ball down the field, you know, and Adam Thielen is perfect for that. Um, not to say he can't play outside that role, but I I think he is a little bit more limited than Stefan Diggs would be in that. Um, that's not to say he won't ever have a 100-yard game for the rest of the season, but I do think that uh he and Stefan Diggs on the field together both help each other out.
0: Okay, yeah. And I am and I'm, a, and I'm a, you know try to try to 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 put like to dampen the language you're using there because you know when it's when you say things like limited and things like that is where people I think probably come for you and that you know Adam Thielen is a phenomenal route runner. When you look at him even last season, uh you know he was considered by you know pro football focus bleacher report and others to be a top 10 wide receiver the way he's playing right now he's you know in the conversation for playing as you know his play season today is hasn't been the conversation is one of the best one two or three wide receivers in all of the nfl and so i i guess i can understand when people are saying you know you know he's limited in this he's a great route runner but he's yes there there is a difference one could argue that there's a difference in talent between you know adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs, while also saying that Adam Dillon is playing at a far more productive level than Stefan Diggs is season to date. What I noticed, um, and I would have to go back and watch again to figure out exactly when the play took place, but it was a third down, and Adam Thielen was in the slot, and the Lions just knew that's where the ball was going to go, so they came out in a look that showed man coverage because they knew Kirk Cousins would go to Adam Thielen on man, and then they basically just put three guys on Adam Thielen. So more so than looking at it as a knock on Adam Thielen's ability to get open, most receivers aren't getting open when they have three guys on them. Uh, I looked at it more as teams are just able to put all their attention on Adam Thielen when Stefan Diggs isn't there, which makes his job far more difficult than if Stefan Diggs was on the on, on the field. And what I would have hoped, and this is a take that I'm stealing from Flip, um, what I'd hope in a situation like that is either Kirk Cousins' you know, recognizes that, you know, there are three guys on Adam Thielen, So in that particular case, Kyle Rudolph is wide open going up the seam or that some of our other guys would have been able to exploit those things to get ourselves big plays. Unfortunately, we weren't able to do that. We did have, a, you know, a big drop. But going forward, and again, you know, we'll knock on something that uh, you know none of our guys missed time, but going forward, Ah, uh, the hope is that you know if anyone does, we can do a better job either by at the quarterback position or would flip in designing things to move guys around and and take advantage of some matchups to to still be able to have a productive offense if one of our main guys is
1: down. And 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 to that to that point, Jason, I'm not sure if you're talking about the same play that I'm thinking of, but you know on that interception play actually that Kirk Cousins threw to Adam Thielen. Um, you know, it, I forget what the coverage was, but I, I I believe you know the safety kind of knew that the ball was going to Adam Thielen. Um, but I his responsibility was Laquan Treadwell on that play. Treadwell gets quite open, um, but Kirk Cousins obviously throws the ball to Adam Thielen because he trusts him a little bit more so. But no, the safety knowing that really oh, gives oh, him...
0: you're talking about the Darius Slay interception,
1: yeah, I believe okay, so, yeah. And, uh, and, and Slay gives him, you know, gives uh, Treadwell pretty soft coverage because he knows he's going to peel off and go to Adam Thielen. Now, it's, it's those kinds of plays where, you know, Kirk wants to go to Thielen. And, you know, I, I know that we're a team, you know, play throw to our best players and stuff. But that's one of those plays where it's kind of like you're saying is defense. It, it, if, if we're talking about situational football and we know we're in the playoffs and stuff, teams are just going to continue to bait us into that kind of stuff. You know, uh, Bill Belichick, obviously you've read uh, stuff about him and, you know, how he prepares for games and stuff. Um, these are the kinds of things in a few weeks when we play the Patriots, like they're going to start baita- baiting us into, into those kinds of things. Like Bill Belichick's going to know the ball's going to go to Adam Thielen. He's going to know it's going to go to Stephon Diggs. So he's going to show a certain coverage that's going to – make it seem as if one of those guys are going to get open or get some kind of one-on-one, but he's going to roll coverage over to the, both of them. And it's going to be up to Kirk and and co to, you know, is he, is he going to go to Treadwell? Is he going to find Aldrick Robson? Is is Dalvin cook going to be more involved in stuff? Because Bill Belichick will be ready for that kind of stuff. And those are kind of situational type things where, um, you know, can this offense really find a way to, you know, even if Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs are our weapons, utilize our weapons to um, I, I, kind of be decoys at times so that we can consi- consistently still move the ball down the field if it's not in the hands of one of these two guys. Um and I so, like yeah. what you
0: just said there and it's a shout out to our man I'm going to give it to Mr. Luke Brown because he did write an awesome article for Purple PTSD and that's one of the things that he kind of talked about using some of the math to to speak to what you're talking about right there is that you know as the season goes along the hope is that you know the ball does start to get spread around to more of our playmakers that we're not as um you know predictable in terms of what we're going to do and how we're going to run things and to that end he predicts that you know we'll see some regression positive regression from our man Stefan Diggs as the season rolls along. But, you know, that could also lead to positive regression for the offense overall as we become a more kind of diversified passing attack, which could mean good things for Stefan Diggs, Kyle Rudolph, um, as the season rolls along. So I like that. Got to keep things moving here because, you know, we started this thing saying, you know, we're not going to make this too long. It's just the two of us. So we got to run through some stuff here pretty quick as we wrap this up. Not much more to say about the Detroit game. I think that actually, you know, a little bit more to say. It was a eh, okay performance from the offense, but Saxy Prince, we touched on it a little bit. I need you to give me a little bit more on your thoughts on this defensive effort from the Minnesota Vikings, because, I mean, we got records being set. We got the defensive player of the year. What are your thoughts on everything that you saw from Mike Zimmer scheming and the way the players played, people stepping up? I mean... I mean, that performance in the defense was about as good as it can get. I mean, what are your thoughts? What were your takeaways after watching it a couple of times? Talk to me, man.
1: Yeah, I don't think I can start. I don't think I can truly start a conversation about the defensive effort without mentioning, man, this this team really, and it's weird to say, I think this team really, really missed Everson Griffin. Um, I think that his presence... Obviously, you know, Stephen Weather has been playing fantastic. You know, Linval Joseph, you know, uh, Richardson, all of them across the defensive line have been playing fantastic. But the the sheer elevation that he brings to this defensive line that allows guys like uh, Daniel Hunter, guys, again, Richardson and Linval Joseph to continue, to continue to eat because he plays so aggressively, because he plays so passionately, really elevates this team in a in, in defensive line and makes it one of the best defensive line in the league. Um, you know, it, it, you just can't you just can't stop talking about them because I really think, you know, I think a, a few years ago, I think our secondary was probably one of the you know mainstays and why we were you know doing so well in coverage and stuff. Obviously, Xavier Rhodes, Trey Waynes has taken steps forth. Um, but I, at times i have felt like the, the secondary hasn't played up to the same level for obvious reasons. You know, they have the, you know, they have younger guys there. Um, uh, you know, Mike Hughes was up and Mike Hughes is up for the season and stuff. Um, so I think the defensive line has stepped up in ways that, you know, um, they, they are really making it very challenging for even good offensive lines to, you know, to, to defend against. Um, and I, I think with the first couple of weeks or the, you know, the weeks that Everson Griffin was out, you, you know, we were still playing well, but it's just like, he just, he just elevated that he just brought the passion back to this defensive line that I think just brought their play from, you know, what it was as you know, a, 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 as a 10 now to 11. And, uh, I think you, you can't say enough about Deniel Hunter. I think we use an absolute steal in this past uh, off season, you know, locking down that contract. Um, you like you know he's playing at such a high level. Um, if you really break down the tape, you know even when he's not sacking the quarterback, you're really getting to see how like unbelievably miserable right, right tackles are having to go against this guy. And I think the, the cool thing about Daniel Hunter is he hasn't really shown an affinity to wanting to play on the left or the right side, which I think allows a lot of flexibility. When, when a guy like Everson Griffin is gone, you know, if, if a guy like Stephen Weatherly or Tayshawn Bauer, or some of these other guys who are just like, you know, they play better on the right side, they play better on the left side, having a guy like Daniel Hunter who can play both sides pretty Pretty well without really showing any kind of, you know, inconsistencies in his play um, really um, just add some flexibility to to the team. Um, I still think that the the linebacker core is a little bit of a, uh, you know, question mark. I, I, I am still a little bit worried. You know, I, I do miss Anthony Barr and I hope that he comes back soon because I do think there's some uh, matchup stuff that is going to start getting exploited here in the next couple of weeks. Um, But there's there's not enough good things that I can say, you know, obviously, Xavier Rose, Trey Waynes has, you know, he has been playing well. I don't think anybody can deny that he's you know, he he has his hiccups. He has had his hiccups. But I mean, if you pretty much look at the last three games, I think he's been playing uh, uh, quite well. So um, having a 10 sack game, having, you know, the amount of pressure Matthew Stafford was under. Um, yeah, I contributed to Andre Patterson. I contributed to Mike Zimmer and his scheme. And um, I think they will only continue to get better as the season goes on.
0: Okay. All right. Well, let's move this on. You said as the season goes on, that'll make, that'll be our segue for the rest of the show. And we're going to try to get through it pretty quick because, you know, I think we're probably already over the time we set for ourselves here. So mid-season report card, Saxy Prince, offense, what you giving them?
1: Offense, I'm, I, I'm probably going to give them like a B minus. You know, I, I think, and this is me, obviously, I, I, I'm admitting to being a little bit hard on the defensive line here, or not the defensive line, but the offense, just because, you know, I, I think with the playmakers that you have, uh, I think that they could be playing at a much, much higher level than they are at. But, you know, like we've, we've kind of mentioned, DeFilippo. um could be a better play caller as well as just offensive of mind. Um as well as Kirk Cousins could be playing better. Um, you know I, I, I think without having, you know, Dalvin Cook in the mix there, you really haven't found like another weapon to complement Dalvin or Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen. So you I I don't feel like I could give them anything more than a B minus. You know, we haven't really Um, besides the Packer game, really shown an offensive effort that was like, yeah, the offense really took control of this game. So, yeah, I'm going to go with a B-. minus.
0: Okay, that feels fair. That feels fair. And, yeah, to put a little context on that, from Pro Football Focus right now, they have the offense at a... Seventy-seven point five, so just a little bit above average. So you know, B minus, C plus, that feels like a a, a fair range for just looking at raw numbers. If you go uh, take a look at uh, the yards, were twelve points 13th so kind of middle of the road there. DVOA obviously puts us down at nineteenth, which yeah. a little bit nerve wracking. So I feel like you're know, you're not being too too harsh. B minus feels like a fair grade there. What about the defense? Where 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 do you have them at this point? Understanding yeah. that, you know, we, we had a, a bit of a rocky road to get to where we are right now.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, I think, you know, to start, I probably would have given a much lower grade. You know, I'm trying to obviously adjust for expectation. Um, and my expectation for this defense is to still remain a top five type defense. Um, I think they've moved closer to in the last like, you know, three or four weeks, they've moved closer to that defense that I I think that they are. Um, So, you know, I'll, I'll probably give him a, a, a B or a B minus kind of sitting in that as well, too. Only because they started the season. Whoa, kind
0: of, whoa, kind of well. whoa. You giving the, the, the offense and the defense B minuses? Yeah. I feel, like I, think, I feel like you're grading on a curve for one of the two of them. They can't be the
1: same. Well, I mean, again, I, I, I gave them both. I gave I mean, I'm halfway between a B and a B minus because, like, can, again, I think
0: a, you can't give him a B plus. I mean, it's not an A performance yet, but a B minus I mean, I mean that the means, minute that, that, we, means, that means the offense got to go down to a season. I no, they can't because be the they
1: because can't be, at end, be at the end of the day. I mean, we made Josh Allen look like you know a Pro Bowl type quarterback in that game. You know, and
0: I mean, come on, people have bad, get, but
1: come they, on, they they do. But but like at the same time, if you know, if we are going to look at this team as a as a playoff and our Super Bowl contending team, you know, I, I think a team that looks off, um, I think is is a tad bit different than a team that just doesn't show up and i think every single year we have seen the defense not show up versus like oh but, you know the defense is not having the greatest game and, and that's what that's what concerns me about when we get to the playoffs is like is this you know it, you, it it's like eliminated the the it's the difference between the you know it's just slightly below average and that was just awful and i think you, you know when you look at how, again consistently every single year there's been a game where it's just been absolute awful performance by the vikings defense and even if they're out coached or out schemed or whatever the case is you would still kind of hope that they you know they can still keep things pretty close you know and i i just worry about their ability to to consistently do that year in and year out without having a game that's just like well like what happened you know and i and i feel like we ask that question uh, at least once a year and i and i I don't feel confident giving them a higher grade than probably a B. Uh, you know, without them, um, B. I'm gonna <laughs> give <them a> B. <laughs> but this,
0: this, yeah. this is this is waiting dangerously close to Mike Zimmer hot seat territory. But we're gonna keep this thing moving because okay, <laughs> you're locked into your B, B minus. Somehow, the same range as the offense. Which, whatever, it's your grade. So let's keep this thing rolling along. First one feels like it's a slam dunk. We really shouldn't even have to have a conversation, but who is the mid-season offensive MVP for our Minnesota Vikings?
1: Um, You know, I, I, I don't think that we, I don't think this is going to be much of an argument here. Uh, I think this uh, this guy has played phenomenal. I think he's, you know, uh, probably top three in it, top, top three or four in his position right now. Um, But Adam Thielen, I think he's played lights out um all except for last game but we obviously know what happened last game um and yeah I think he's played really well and I know, I, I I think he's elevated this offense to being more of a contender than it kind of has been even despite the inconsistencies so I would go to Ad, with Adam Thielen
0: you gotta just go throw them shots you couldn't just say Adam Thielen being like yeah he's been really good except for that last game I mean you are really and truly the son of hey, immigrants. Hey,
1: Stefan Diggs had a Stephon hey, Diggs had a pretty hey, poor game. So you
0: you are the son of immigrants, and I and I can't even be mad at you because I understand, you know, I
1: understand.
0: I understand. I understand where that comes from. It's not your fault. It's you know it's how you were raised. <laughs> it's so
1: true, man. And
0: uh, on defense, who you got mid-season MVP for the defense.
1: Oh, I mean, I think this goes with the this is probably the easiest. I mean, Daniil Hunter, he is he is playing at such a high level. He is um, showing why his contract is almost a joke right now because he's, I mean, if he bet on himself, he would have made, you know, historical numbers as far as being a de- top defensive end. So Daniel Hunter has played at such a high level. And I think he's only going to get better as the season goes on and throughout his career.
0: All right. All right. No arguments for me there. All right. So we've gone over a lot here. Vikings are sitting in a, in a pretty good spot as we, uh you know, we went into this very much needed by Vikings sitting at five, three, and one. Give me your prediction for uh, how they do over the second half of their season.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously you have the, the bear game that was flexing in the prime time. Um, that's going to be at uh soldier field. You know, obviously historically we haven't played really well over the last what, 10 years at soldier field. It's just, you know, obviously there's a lot of, uh, you know, skeptics out there. There's some kind of curse of Soldier Field. But I think more importantly, this game, the reason why it's uh, um, why it's important is because it was moved to primetime. You know, and the Vikings need to show that they can perform better in primetime. You know, they had a Sunday night game and they're going to have another Sunday night game. And then after that, they have another Sunday night game. That's that's three of three out of four Sunday night games, you know that the Vikings need to perform in. The last Sunday night game, they did not perform well in. Um, so I think with this this game and obviously the Packer game, the Patriots and the Seahawks, this is gonna be kind of a, a little mini gauntlet that you have going here. You know, We were worried about the gauntlet in the beginning of the season, but uh, I, I think this is one that you have to really worry about because you have two back-to-back um, division games. I mean, you took care of business against Detroit, but now you have Chicago and you have the Packers. I think if you don't win one out of the two of these, more specifically, probably against the Packers, um, it's really going to make it difficult when it comes to playoff seedings and stuff. I still think this team's a playoff team, but, you know, uh, where they will be ranked, you know, can they latch on to that third or fourth seed? I think they'll probably not get the first or second, but, you know, you can still get home field advantage. I feel
0: like Um, you're filibustering
1: me right now, bro. I mean, yeah,
0: give give me me some numbers here. What what are we going to do?
1: Yeah, uh I see us winning against Chicago, winning against the Packers, losing against the Patriots, um, probably losing against the Seahawks, and then winning out for the rest of the season. Uh so that leaves us at uh you know six and two for the rest of the season. If my math if my math is correct, my math's okay. probably off right there. But uh
0: no, 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 that feels uh five and two. Good? Yeah, five,
1: five and two.
0: Five, and five two and the rest two. of the way. Yeah, five yes. and two the five rest of the and way. Two the rest of the way. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, uh, that would put us uh, right where again, we should have bet the under at the beginning of the season, but uh, okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Five and two the rest of the way. That should get us into the playoffs. Probably won't get us a bye, but it'll get us into the playoffs. And then we just need Kirk Cousins to get hot, and we can get that trophy. Uh, that's it. That's all. I got nothing else to ask you today. Uh, you got anything you're cooking up? Anything that we should be on the lookout for? anything that uh that'll be dropping in the uh, the not too distant future here for us
1: uh it'll probably be in the this more distant future but I have been working on more of a longer denial hunter piece I um, hoping to get that out sooner rather than later but you know hashtag motivation
0: well, let's get it all right well uh sexy Prince you know thanks for coming in holding it down being the uh you know, Analyst 1, 2, and 3 on the, the Climbing the Pocket podcast. And uh, listeners, thanks for hanging with us. If you have any angry messages to send after listening to this podcast, as always, please direct those to at SaxyPrince on Twitter.com. My name is Jason Brown. Thank you for listening. This has been the Climbing the Pocket podcast. And uh, yeah, we will talk to you soon. Have a good one.